Section 11 of Guy Mannering. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Dion Gines, Salt Lake City, Utah. Guy Mannering or the Astrologer by Sir Walter Scott. Volume 1, Chapter 8. So the Red Indian by Ontario's side nursed hardy on the brindled panther's hide as fades his swarthy race with anguish seas the white man's cottage rise beneath the trees he leaves the shelter of his native wood he leaves the murmur of ohio's flood and forward rushing in indignant grief where never foot has trod the fallen leaf he bends his course where twilight reigns sublime or forests silent since the birth of time scenes of infancy in tracing the rise and progress of the scottish maroon war we must not omit to mention that years had rolled on and that little harry bertram one of the hardiest and most lively children that ever made a sword and grenadier's cap of rushes now approached his fifth revolving birthday a hardihood of disposition which early developed itself made him already a little wanderer he was well acquainted with every patch of lee ground and dingle around ellangowan and could tell in his broken language upon what bulks grew the bonniest flowers and what copse had the ripest nuts he repeatedly terrified his attendants by clambering about the ruins of the old castle and had more than once made a stolen excursion as far as the gypsy hamlet on these occasions he was generally brought back by meg merrilies who though she could not be prevailed upon to enter the place of ellangowan after her nephew had been given up to the press-gang did not apparently extend her resentment to the child on the contrary she often contrived to waylay him in his walk sing him a gypsy song give him a ride upon her jackass and thrust into his pocket a piece of gingerbread or a red-cheeked apple this woman's ancient attachment to the family repelled and checked in every other direction seemed to rejoice in having some object on which it could yet repose and expand itself she prophesied a hundred times that young mr harry would be the pride of the family and there hadna been sic a sprout fra the auld och since the death of arthur macdinaway that was killed in the battle of the bloody bay as for the present stick it was good for nothing but firewood on one occasion when the child was ill she lay all night below the window chanting a rhyme which she believed sovereign as a febrifuge and could neither be prevailed upon to enter the house nor to leave the station she had chosen till she was informed that the crisis was over the affection of this woman became matter of suspicion not indeed to the laird who was never hasty in suspecting evil but to his wife who had indifferent health and poor spirits she was now far advanced in a second pregnancy 
and as she could not walk abroad herself and the woman who attended upon harry was young and thoughtless she prayed dominie sampson to undertake the task of watching the boy in his rambles when he should not be otherwise accompanied the dominie loved his young charge and was enraptured with his own success in having already brought him so far in his learning as to spell words of three syllables the idea of this early prodigy of erudition being carried off by the gypsies like a second adam smith footnote the father of economical philosophy was when a child actually carried off by gypsies and remained some hours in their possession and a footnote was not to be tolerated and accordingly though the charge was contrary to all his habits of life he readily undertook it and might be seen stalking about with a mathematical problem in his head and his eye upon a child of five years old whose rambles led him into a hundred awkward situations twice was the dominie chased by a cross-grained cow once he fell into the brook crossing at the stepping-stones and another time was bogged up to the middle in the slough of loch end in attempting to gather a water-lily for the young laird it was the opinion of the village matrons who relieved sampson on the latter occasion that the laird might as well trust the care o his barn to a potato-boggle but the good dominie bore all his disasters with gravity and serenity equally imperturbable prodigious was the only ejaculation they ever extorted from the much enduring man the laird had by this time determined to make root and branch work with the maroons of durncloth the old servants shook their heads at his proposal and even dominie sampson ventured upon an indirect remonstrance as however it was couched in the oracular phrase ne movius camerinum neither the allusion nor the language in which it was expressed were calculated for mr bertram's edification and matters proceeded against the gypsies in form of law every door in the hamlet was chalked by the ground officer in token of a formal warning to remove at next term still however they showed no symptoms either of submission or of compliance at length the term day the fatal martinmas arrived and violent measures of ejection were resorted to a strong posse of peace officers sufficient to render all resistance vain charged the inhabitants to depart by noon and as they did not obey the officers in terms of their warrant proceeded to unroof the cottages and pull down the wretched doors and windows a summary and effectual mode of ejection still practised in some remote parts of scotland when a tenant proves refractory the gypsies for a time beheld the work of destruction in sullen silence and inactivity then set about saddling and loading their asses and making preparations for their departure these were soon accomplished where all had the habits of wandering tartars and they set forth on their journey to seek new settlements 
where their patrons should neither be of the quorum nor custus rotulorum certain qualms of feeling had deterred ellen gowan from attending in person to see his tenants expelled he left the executive part of the business to the officers of the law under the immediate direction of frank kennedy a supervisor or writing officer belonging to the excise who had of late become intimate at the place and of whom we shall have more to say in the next chapter mr bertram himself chose that day to make a visit to a friend at some distance but it so happened notwithstanding his precautions that he could not avoid meeting his late tenants during their retreat from his property it was in a hollow way near the top of a steep ascent upon the verge of the ellangowan estate that mr bertram met the gypsy procession four or five men formed the advanced guard wrapped in long loose greatcoats that hid their tall slender figures as the large slouched hats drawn over their brows concealed their wild features dark eyes and swarthy faces two of them carried long fowling pieces one wore a broadsword without a sheath and all had the highland dirk though they did not wear that weapon openly or ostentatiously behind them followed the train of laden asses and small carts or tumblers as they were called in that country on which were laid the decrepit and the helpless the aged and infant part of the exiled community the women in their red cloaks and straw hats the elder children with bare heads and bare feet and almost naked bodies had the immediate care of the little caravan the road was narrow running between two broken banks of sand and mr bertram's servant rode forward smacking his whip with an air of authority and motioning to the drivers to allow free passage to their betters his signal was unattended to he then called to the men who lounged idly on before stand to your beasts heads and make room for the laird to pass he shall have his share of the road answered a male gypsy from under his slouched and large-brimmed hat and without raising his face and he shall have nay mare the highway is as free to our cuddies as to his gelding the tone of the man being sulky and even menacing mr bertram thought it best to put his dignity in his pocket and pass by the procession quietly on such space as they chose to leave for his accommodation which was narrow enough to cover with an appearance of indifference his feeling of the want of respect with which he was treated he addressed one of the men as he passed him without any show of greeting salute or recognition giles bailey he said have you heard that your son gabriel is well the question respected the young man who had been pressed if i had heard otherwise said the old man looking up with a stern and menacing countenance you should have heard of it too and he plodded on his way tarrying no further question footnote this anecdote is a literal fact End of footnote. 
when the laird had pressed on with difficulty among a crowd of familiar faces which had on all former occasions marked his approach with the reverence due to that of a superior being but in which he now only read hatred and contempt and had got clear of the throng he could not help turning his horse and looking back to mark the progress of their march the group would have been an excellent subject for the pencil of calotte the van had already reached a small and stunted thicket which was at the bottom of the hill and which gradually hid the line of march until the last stragglers disappeared his sensations were bitter enough the race it is true which he had thus summarily dismissed from their ancient place of refuge was idle and vicious but had he endeavoured to render them otherwise they were not more irregular characters now than they had been while they were admitted to consider themselves as a sort of subordinate dependence of his family and ought the mere circumstance of his becoming a magistrate to have made at once such a change in his conduct towards them some means of reformation ought at least to have been tried before sending seven families at once upon the wide world and depriving them of a degree of countenance which withheld them at least from atrocious guilt there was also a natural yearning of heart on parting with so many known and familiar faces and to this feeling godfrey bertram was peculiarly accessible from the limited qualities of his mind which sought its principal amusements among the petty objects around him as he was about to turn his horse's head to pursue his journey meg merrilies who had lagged behind the troop unexpectedly presented herself she was standing upon one of those high precipitous banks which as we before noticed overhung the road so that she was placed considerably higher than ellangowan even though he was on horseback and her tall figure relieved against the clear blue sky seemed almost of supernatural stature we have noticed that there was in her general attire or rather in her mode of adjusting it somewhat of a foreign costume artfully adopted perhaps for the purpose of adding to the effect of her spells and predictions or perhaps from some traditional notions respecting the dress of her ancestors on this occasion she had a large piece of red cotton cloth rolled about her head in the form of a turban from beneath which her dark eyes flashed with uncommon lustre her long and tangled black hair fell in elf locks from the folds of this singular headgear her attitude was that of a sibyl in frenzy and she stretched out in her right hand a sapling bough which seemed just pulled i'll be damned said the groom if she has not been cutting the young ashes in the ducket park the laird made no answer but continued to look at the figure which was thus perched above his path ride your ways said the gypsy ride your ways laird of ellangowan ride your ways godfrey bertram this day have ye quenched seven smoking hearths see if the fire in your own parlour 
burn the blither for that ye have riven the thack off seven cotter houses look if your own roof-tree stand the faster ye may stable your stirks in the shillings at durnclaw see that the hare does not couch on the hearthstone at ellangowan ride your ways godfrey bertram what do ye glower after our folk for there's thirty hearts there that would have wanted bread ere ye had wanted suckets and spent their life-blood ere ye had scratched your finger yes there's thirty yonder from the old wife of an hundred to the babe that was born last week that ye have turned out of their bits of beals to sleep with the tod and the blackcock in the moors ride your ways ellangowan our bairns are hinging at our weary backs look at your bra cradle at hame be the fairer spread up not that i am wishing ill to little harry or to the babe that's yet to be born god forbid and make them kind to the poor and better folk than their father and now ride even your ways for these are the last words you'll ever hear meg merrily speak and this is the last raise that i'll ever cut in the bonny woods of ellangowan so saying she broke the sapling she held in her hand and flung it into the road margaret of anjou bestowing on her triumphant foes her keen-edged malediction could not have turned from them with a gesture more proudly contemptuous the laird was clearing his voice to speak and thrusting his hand in his pocket to find a half-crown the gypsy waited neither for his reply nor his donation but strode down the hill to overtake the caravan ellen gowan rode pensively home and it was remarkable that he did not mention this interview to any of his family the groom was not so reserved he told the story at great length to a full audience in the kitchen and concluded by swearing that if ever the devil spoke by the mouth of a woman he had spoken by that of meg merrily's that blessed day End of volume one chapter eight